Hey guys, and welcome to the Choose Kindness Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Klatt, and I'm so happy you're here. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you to choose kindness, gain knowledge, and find joy and positivity every day. By creating a positive outlook on each day, highlighting those who do good in our communities, by connecting through individual stories, and giving you the opportunity to share your story, I'm aiming to manifest never-ending kindness. This show is all about adding happiness and optimism to your life, and I would love to hear from you if there's a feel-good story you want to share. Before we dive into the show, I want to give you the opportunity to check out some valuable resources, as well as connect with me by visiting kayleeklatt.com. There you can find a link to my Instagram and Facebook, as well as send me a message on the Connect With Me page. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Now, let's get on to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me today with Kelly Savage. Be prepared to get incredibly real about what it means to stand up for yourself and others because we are about to have an honest and inspiring conversation about using your voice to fill the silence. Stay tuned. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Hi, Kaylee. I'm good. Thank you. Very busy, but you know, it's it's all good. Better that way. (laughs) Could you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, So my name is Kelly Savage. Um, I'm 26 years old. I am from Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, which is a smallish beach community between Jacksonville and St. Augustine. Um, I previously uh, lived in Orlando, Florida. Um, I landed there after I went to the University of Mississippi for undergraduate school. Um, I have a degree in broadcast journalism, public relations, and media management. Um, So after my four years at Old Miss, um, I went to work with Advanced Recovery Systems in Orlando, um, lived there for the last four years, um, have had a variety of different roles within my career at ARS, um, have loved all of it. Um, I'm currently the Outreach Director for the International Association of Firefighters Center of Excellence for Behavioral Health Treatment and Recovery. It's the longest name ever, um, but we are an inpatient residential center for firefighters dealing with uh, substance use and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or related mental health issues. So we're a -a one-of-a-kind facility. Um, I spend most times uh, outside of coronavirus life uh, traveling the country. Um, I'm on the road about 20 to 25 days a month uh, in different states and Canada, educating members about behavioral health topics um, and access to treatment, which is kind of a new concept for firefighters, uh, especially something so specialized. Um, so I recently moved back to Jacksonville, Florida. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I'm grateful to be here uh, with you. You're just a busy, busy, busy bee. <laughs> well, what was your first experience with bullying? Could you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Um, you know, I would say my first experience is nothing super notable. Um, I, was chubby (laughs) Um, in elementary school, probably starting in like fourth grade. Yeah, fourth grade to sixth grade was not a good look for me. Um, And kids are mean. I mean, I remember being called beluga whale and, um, you know, not having a great self image. I grew up in Florida, but I, I hated going to the beach or the pool. Um, which is where most people in my community would hang out uh, because I didn't want to be in a swimsuit. And it really wasn't even so much my weight as it was my skin color. Um, I'm really, really fair, fair skinned uh, by nature. And I do not tan. Um, I only burn. And, you know, as a 
12, 13 year old, all I wanted to do was be tan and pretty like my friends and enjoy going to the beach. And it just, I never felt comfortable there. And, and some of it was exacerbated by other people, but some of it was, you know, my own, uh, self-image. So I would say that's what I recall first, but I don't think it was anything, um, that most kids don't experience in elementary or middle school. Um, you know, what's a little unique about my experience with bullying is that it really happened in adulthood more than anything um, and, and by adults. And I think that that might be something we don't necessarily consider is that we can't write bullying or harassment off as just a, a, an issue of childhood or adolescence, um, that that behavior can permeate into adulthood and be really uh, transformative and, and detrimental. So you exude confidence and you've proven from time and time again to be an incredible public speaker. Uh, so how are you able to get where you are today and block out the negativity, the nerves, et cetera? Um, well, I guess I would first say that I haven't always blocked out negativity or nerves. Um, some of it I think you have to absorb um, and, and take criticism, but allow yourself to get better from it and then roll off your back when it isn't necessarily constructive or warranted. Um, so, you know, I've always found value in things that I can offer other people or organizations that I am affiliated with, whether that's my time, my effort, you know, things that I knew I was good at versus things that I knew I wasn't so good at. So, you know, I would say just identifying your strengths and, and playing to them, uh, rather than trying to, trying to fight something that you're not or do things that aren't necessarily in your wheelhouse. So what challenges have you had to face along the way? So I would say one of the challenges I had uh, as an adult and through participating in the Miss Florida program, which changed my life for the better in a hundred different ways. But one of the things it did was open me up to criticism by strangers and in many cases, people who chose to be critical anonymously. And they were critical anonymously about some things that I could let go, like my talent or I don't know, a dress or whatever. But then people began to be critical of things that uh, actions that they were accusing me of that weren't true, you know, and, and it became very troublesome accusations that uh, people were levying to damage my reputation. And again, this is all taking place anonymously. So it was very difficult to figure out why someone would have such a motivation, um, especially without coming to me first to resolve any issues that they might have had, um, and then to figure out what to do about it. Because for years, I was advised uh, by people that were around me and cared about me that I should just let it go, let it roll off my back. Don't worry about it. It's all you know made up, or who cares what these people have to say if they're anonymous. But words hurt. And... It, it isn't always, what I learned over time is it is not always the best thing to ignore what is hurting you. You know, sometimes you kind of have to address it head on. And so my approach there over time, I didn't come to this right away, was that I was going to stand up to the people that were being mean, that were saying things that weren't true, that were, you know, potentially trying to damage my reputation and my career. And that was by telling the truth. And, you know, I shared my experience that I have had had people saying these things and really being the, uh, I don't care for the word victim, but I was experiencing cyberbullying and harassment by people that I knew to be adults and knew to be 
uh, unwilling to come forward about who they who they were and why they would be saying these things. And part of that was because they knew they weren't true. But almost at the exact same time that I decided to start talking about what was happening to me, it stopped. <laughs> it was amazing. And, and I don't know if it was because one led to the other or, you know, it just was a confluence of events. But I would like to think that the minute that I said, this is not okay, and I'm going to do something about this because I realized that I had the mental strength to know that I was more than these, you know, false claims or what people were saying about me with no truth to it. But if someone else had been in my shoes who might have been going through a hardship, maybe they lost a parent, maybe they were having a hard time in school, maybe they just gone through a terrible breakup or who knows, had an underlying mental health issue, and then these things were being volleyed at them, they might not be okay. They might turn to self-harm. They might, you know, lash out at other people. And, and the ramifications of your actions matter and they shouldn't be brushed under the rug. So I realized that I had the opportunity to stand up for myself and prove to others that they should do the same and that they should not allow, you know, noise or outsiders to make them feel less than for no reason. So that was a challenge, but it was the best possible thing I think that that could have happened from it because I learned the value of standing up for myself and standing up for other people through that. So you mentioned the Miss Florida program. Can you tell us how you practiced upstander behavior through your platform? Yes. And I can give you a pretty specific example. (laughs) So right around the time that I was feeling very comfortable in the platform that I was promoting, which was being an upstander and doing what is hard when it might not always be comfortable, especially on behalf of others. We faced a situation as contestants where we were in what the group would have probably told you was uniformly uncomfortable outfits. And they were very hesitant to bring this issue to anyone in a position of power uh, because, you know, you're in a pageant and you don't want to ruffle feathers or seem like you're difficult or a diva or causing problems, whatnot. But a lot of the girls had real issues with what they were wearing, whether it was the top, the bottom, the length, and they felt really uncomfortable on stage. And this was the chatter for days. And finally, someone in a position of authority did come forth and ask us, how do you feel? Each one of us got the opportunity to tell them if we had a problem with what we had to wear on stage and wanted something to be done about it. And one by one, every other person... (laughs) told them no, uh, because they were scared. You know, they, like I said, they didn't want to be, uh, perceived as problematic or a diva or, uh, potentially have that impact their scores in the pageant, which I really don't think would have happened. But, you know, there's this level of the unknown and you're scared and you want to be compliant. But, but these girls, I think felt pressured to just say that everything was fine. And so it got to be my turn. And, you know, as like the grandma of the group at that point, I, you know, had kind of rationalized with myself, like lying to be the easy contestant isn't worth my integrity at this point. And so I was honest and I said, honestly, no, I don't feel comfortable in this outfit. And I don't think anyone else does either because they told us that they didn't. And they also told us that they're uncomfortable to tell you because of how it may be perceived or what the situation is. And so, you know, this authority figure asked, is this true? And everyone kind of just 
nodded and, you know, looked panicked. And then the one person who was left to go after me spoke up to and said, I don't feel comfortable either. And I wouldn't have told you if Kelly hadn't gone first, but she did. And I'm going to tell you that, you know, I don't feel comfortable with this. And um, I was disappointed after it all unfolded because I had wished for more of some of these women that they would have been able to speak up for themselves. But I also knew in that situation that two or three years prior, I probably wouldn't have done that either. And the girl who spoke after me sent me a message later that night and said, thank you for speaking up. I wouldn't have done it if you hadn't gone first. Uh, but I'm glad that I did because some things will, we might not be able to change it. It might not make a difference, but we stood up for ourselves. We told the truth and that's the best we can do. So that was my platform in action that week. <laughs> it felt very relevant at the time. And it, it was nobody's fault, you know, that it happened that way. But, but I recognized in that moment that scary or unknown situations put people in a position to not speak up for themselves and not allow them to express to people who have the ability to help them or make a change that there's a problem and that sometimes you need somebody to go first to speak up about what's wrong or to, to do it on someone else's behalf because they haven't decided that they can yet. So I look back on that experience and I don't regret a thing, whether I was perceived as a diva or problematic or whatever. I'm glad that I spoke up for myself and I'm glad that I spoke up for other people in that moment too. So why did you decide to choose kindness? I love that phrase, choose kindness. And I will say that it is not always easy to do that. Um, I work in a pretty high stress job, it keeps me very busy. And I oftentimes have to really, really, really think about choosing kindness and, you know, making that a concerted effort. I would say more than choosing kindness, I chose responsibility. I do find it my responsibility in situations where I maybe feel more comfortable or have an upper hand to speak up for people that don't because I've been where they've been. And I would want someone to do that for me. So I think in, in a way that is choosing kindness because you're taking the maybe more difficult road to do something that behooves others. But in turn, I think it, it behooves yourself as well to do what matters and what is right. Are there any resources that you recommend for parents, educators, or our youth? So one resource I would recommend looking into or just educating yourself about is the story of Megan Meyer. I had a chance to meet her mom at the School Safety Advocacy Council meeting uh, in Orlando a few years ago. I did their bullying prevention training. It was really enlightening. And um, Megan Meyer has a tragic story. She was 13 years old and um, she was bullied to death. Uh, she was being tormented online by what turned out to be a friend's mom. <laughs> and she took her own life because of what was said to her uh, at a young, impressionable age of 13. And it made me realize and be vindicated in my experience that words matter online, that adults are capable of hurtful things and of being irresponsible sometimes and that we have to hold those people accountable. I, I, you know, we can't chalk bullying up to a kid's problem because if we do, we remove the responsibility that parents and adults have of teaching their children responsible behavior online and off. And, 
you know, we're living in a, a digital landscape that I know is very different for my parents 20 years ago when I was growing up, but it is important now more than ever to emphasize that if you wouldn't say it in person, you shouldn't say it online. <laughs> and if you haven't read uh, Megan Meyer's story and the bravery of her mom to share it and to utilize the tragedy that has happened in her life to help other people, I really recommend doing so. She's an incredibly inspiring and kind woman that I got the opportunity to meet. And it is certainly a cautionary tale of the example that words can be the difference between life and death and that we have to hold each other to a higher standard of accountability online. How can the audience connect with you? If you'd like to connect with me, uh, I'm on Instagram at Kelly Savage one. I used to post a lot of cool travel pictures and uh, awesome restaurants from all over the States when I was traveling, but now it's mostly just home cooked meals. Uh, but I'd be happy to connect and uh, you know, would love to talk to you via Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story and uh, providing some resources for our audience as well as myself. So thank you. Absolutely, Kaylee. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you so much for joining me and Kelly Savage today. I'm so glad you could listen in and hear her story and about the importance of why you should choose kindness and always stand up for yourself no matter what. Kelly went through a very difficult situation, but she learned that it's her responsibility to help other people in their time of need, and I hope that you were able to take that away from this interview. Remember to stay strong, always focus on the light, and to choose kindness forever and always. If you have a feel-good story you want to share, or know someone who has gone above and beyond in their community, please feel free to contact me at www.kayleeclatt.com. Alright, now go on and have a fantastic day. Thanks so much for listening.